Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Question. Have you ever felt confused about your calling? Or are you maybe feeling a little unfulfilled, bored, or burnt out in your current work, but have no idea what's next for you? Here's the thing. I don't believe we have just one calling in our life. As our seasons change, so can our calling. Here's what I mean. The work that you may have felt drawn to as a young adult may no longer suit you as a new mom. Or maybe the last 18 months of layoffs and lockdowns and economic changes have left you wondering, what's next for me? But here's the good news. This is actually pretty normal. I've actually found that most women feel the need to make a change when it comes to their work every five to seven years on average. So if you're feeling confused, if you're finding yourself in this place, just asking, what's next for me? Or I know I'm called to something new, but I don't really know what I want to do. I have some good news for you, my friend. My mentorship program that I ran last fall is dedicated to helping you figure this out, and we are reopening it again on February 7th. I'm so excited to get to welcome in a new group of mentees. Last fall, I got to walk almost 700 women through my proven process to helping you figure out your God-given calling, make the next right move, and really see it through. We're gonna, you're going to walk away with an action plan to see through the plan that you come up with and that we're going to create together. So whether you think you have an idea of what you want to do or have absolutely no clue, the Own It Mentorship will help you clarify your God-given calling and step into the work that will be most fulfilling for you. But here's the catch. We're going to do that while prioritizing your health and well-being every step of the way. No hustle or burnout required to do this. Cool? All right. This sounds like something you need. Doors to the spring cohort are opening at 8 p.m. on Monday, February 7th. So depending on when you listen to this, it's either opening very soon or doors just recently opened. And if you grab a seat in the first 48 hours, you'll get $70 off. So be sure to take advantage of that. If it's not too late, you can get all the details and grab your seat at learn.theownedacademy.com. Dot com slash mentorship or just click the link in the show notes. If I was going to super simplify how you can measure this, it mm-hmm. would be emotion and devotion. So mm-hmm. it's passion if you have high emotion and high devotion. Mm-hmm. So the emotion is pretty straightforward. You think about this work when you're in and you get your, your heart, your heart just goes nuts. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm thinking about it. I'm only doing it mm-hmm. and I'm excited mm-hmm. uh, when I'm in the middle of it time stands still and I am so in a zone that uh, time disappears. We've all experienced that on some level. Mm -hmm. And then the devotion piece, high devotion, that's where that suffering comes in, where Mm -hmm. you are devoted to it to the point that you will suffer patience because patience is suffering. And we all Mm -hmm. just agree on that. It's so hard to wait. It's so hard. And, And persisting while waiting for the result that we long for. It's so difficult. That's suffering. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. 
welcome back to Sheep. Jordan, good to be with you again. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you back. I loved the episode. So for anyone who doesn't know who Ken is, I'm going to give him a chance to share. But he has been on the show once before, and he's one of the very few men that have been on the show. I just love so much of what he shares and the work that he does. And it really, I think, is so relevant to so much of what I get asked about on a daily basis. So many of us feel like, what am I doing with my life? Or what am I supposed to be doing next? And it just... It's something I enjoy talking about because I, I resonate with that feeling. I know so many in our community have felt that way. So Ken really just goes deep on this and brings so much practical wisdom and expertise and even specific steps to really figuring that out and taking productive steps forward. So Ken, I would love if you can just, for anyone who didn't hear the first episode that you were on with us, which we will link in the show notes if anyone's listening or wants to listen to that. Before we dive in, can you just give us a quick backstory of your story and what led you to help people land their dream job and kind of figure out what they want to do career-wise? What did your journey look like leading you to this point? I just want to give that as a starting point to jump off of. Sure. So I'm 16 years of age and I come (laughs) to the realization that I think I know exactly what I want to do Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty excited about it, fired up about it. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, political office and that was the goal Mm -hmm. long-term. So you know, this is I'm a sophomore in high school, and so I, I feel absolutely certain about it. And I stayed on that path and, and had some, some fantastic success and a lot of exciting things happened to me to the point that at the age of 22, I was working for the governor of Virginia. And I did that for a year. I got out on purpose again to, you know, get a business resume, if you will, a lot of business experience and business leadership experience so that I could run for office in my 30s. And, you know, have a, a real life background, not just be all politics. Mm-hmm. And so that was the path I was on. And fast forward, I found myself in Atlanta, Georgia, working for a renowned leadership guru, John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And I've got the VP position. I'm living in the neighborhood I want to live in, in the district that I thought maybe I, I would make a run. Everything was kind of on the track, except that my heart was not there. And I knew it, but it was one of those things that I know you've experienced this. I know your listeners have you kind of know something, but you don't fully confront it. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of, it feels like a fleeting thought, but it's one of those thoughts that you make it kind of a fleeting thought, but mm-hmm. if you linger on it, we would have acted on it sooner. It was one of those deals. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of drugged my feet emotionally dealing with this because it was so unsettling to be on purpose for one, you know, path for so long and then begin to start to have doubts about it. So I would change my mind. I would, you know, change the thought process. I would just distract myself from it. And finally got to the point where it became really, really clear to me that politics was not it. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel the heart for it. I wasn't excited about it. The the juice was gone. So that began a process of slowly dealing with this change. And I will tell you that it very much was grief at first Mm -hmm. and then confusion. And then frustration. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those were the three emotions that I experienced over about a two to three year period where I realized this wasn't the path, but I wasn't willing to confront what was the path, the new path going to be. And so I drug my feet for a while. So then I get to the point where I began to internalize it too much. I'd lay awake at night. I felt like I'd wasted my life. I'm 32, 33-ish, somewhere in that range. And you know, what am I doing? I'm going to be 40 before I know it. And there's mm-hmm. all these kind of nonsensical thoughts. And, and I get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to have to do something about this. Nobody's going to do anything for me. I got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so again, the process of self-discovery and looking for the clues, what led me into the area of politics? Where are some 
similarities? What are the threads that I can dive into and see some clues and lead me to the different direction? And I, I didn't have the methodology that I teach now. So mm-hmm. all of that is the backstory. And so I did figure it out that it was broadcasting, but I thought it was sports broadcasting at first, and then it ended up being a different kind of broadcasting. Really, I'm in that personal growth space, which is really rare, mm-hmm. um, and in radio anyway. And, um, and, and so all of that, uh, that journey of finding my path led me to the realization that when I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster, a speaker, and a writer, that I wanted to help people who... Uh, we're going through what I was going through, a ton of uncertainty, uh, a lack of purpose, uh, or help people figure it out before they get to where I was. And so that became the driving purpose for me professionally. So that's the backstory. And then uh, over time, as I've looked back and I've developed you know, the content that I now write about in the new book, mm-hmm. From Paycheck to Purpose, and what I coach men and women on on the Ken Coleman Show, that all comes from my own experience of then how did I climb out of that despair of meaninglessness, which is, you know, totally not, I wasn't meaningless, Mm -hmm. but I felt that way. And so that's kind of the whole backstory behind what I do. Wow. I think many can relate to that, you know, thinking I'm, especially I chuckled a little bit when you said like, I'm 16 and I figured out what I wanted to do because I think a lot of us have that thought early in our life of like, I think I know what I want. And then we get into it or you know, we get a taste of it and it's like, oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Or, oh, I definitely didn't know all the answers, you know, and you kind of sometimes have to get clarity through action too. Like a lot of things we do teach us, like there's threads and kind of going back to those clues. And so I'm really, I have so many questions that I want to dive into, but I think where I want to start is I would love if you can dive into, there's something you've said that about how your career, being stuck in your career can be a choice. Mm. And I would just love if you can dig into that a little deeper, because I think somebody might hear that and think like, well, it doesn't feel like a choice, you know? So I would love if you mm. can explain what you mean by that. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me that question, because it, at first it feels like, wait a second, I'm up to my neck mm-hmm. in mud, and you're telling me it's my choice whether or not I can get out of this mud? Mm-hmm. The answer is yes, because I think when we think of the metaphorical Uh, version of stuck, what we have to realize is that if I'm stuck because of fear, or I'm stuck because of doubt, or I'm stuck because of pride, those are your three big enemies of progress that they kind of keep us paralyzed or in some quicksand. We get to choose how we respond to those things. So we really are choosing. If we stay stuck, it's because we're choosing not to confront what is holding us back. Hmm. That's what I mean by that. And so, you know, I'll use an example uh, for me personally. I just, you know, point all the fingers back at me because I've thought what people are thinking about this and I, I have felt what people are feeling that are stuck. So if, if you're afraid of rejection, well, that's a biggie, right? That goes back to elementary school when we wrote those little notes. Do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe. <laughs> this bundle of anxiety waiting for the return. Um, that's just who, who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're afraid of rejection or you're afraid of failure or you are afraid of the unknown, welcome to the club. You mm-hmm. are a human. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with you. And by the way, Jordan, you know this. I have now found as I look back on this grand adventure that people of progress and people of purpose are going to naturally face fear and doubt. Right. So that's mm-hmm. while those things are ugly and can hold us back, it's also a sign that we're looking forward or moving mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. And so, so I would tell you that those things popping up, that's normal and that's a part of the process. And, mm-hmm. and you never are going to uh, 
remove fear and doubt and pride from the path. You can overcome them, and I'll get to that momentarily. But when you are choosing to let that voice of fear uh, or doubt stay in your mind, you are then choosing to stay stuck. Mm -hmm. The famed psychologist William James, widely recognized as one of the fathers of modern psychology, once said, Jordan, no matter how absurd something is, if you repeat it often enough, people will believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And isn't that true? I mean, we mm-hmm. see that in politics. We've mm-hmm. seen it in history where dictators have, have abused their people with mind tricks and all mm-hmm. kinds of uh, garbage. It's not true. All right, so let's personalize that for a minute. No matter how absurd something is, if I think it often enough, I will believe it. And so what happens is an absurd thought I'm going to fail and become homeless and live under a bridge if I do this. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to get rejected. And when I get rejected, no one else will hire me because they didn't hire me or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. the fear is. If I allow that absurdity to stay in my mind and I dwell on it, then it becomes a reality. Mm-hmm. And then I act on that. And so the reason we stay stuck is because we are choosing to believe a lie. Now, mm-hmm. let me give you the other side of that. As you know, in the book, From Paycheck to Purpose, we write about how to overcome fear, doubt, and pride. Mm-hmm. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to put those voices on the witness stand, just like we'd see in a legal drama. Okay, so we, mm-hmm. we literally write the thought down. I'm afraid of, and I want you to be very specific, very specific. Get it out of your head and write it on paper so you can see, is this absurd mm-hmm. or is it real and it's going to protect me? Because here's the thing. I don't want to... I don't want to be oversimplified mm-hmm. in this and say that, well, all fear is a liar, all doubt is a liar. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I go step on the edge of a cliff right now and I look down and I see certain death and I have a pang of fear because I'm too close to the edge, uh, that's not a lie. Fear is protecting me. Mm-hmm. Okay, So there, there are times where fear is protecting us and we must figure out, is this voice protecting me or is it paralyzing me? And so that's what we do. And so we figure it out. And so if it's if it's paralyzing me, then I know it's not true. I, I, I expose it, and now I focus on the truth. And, 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 and one last little nugget on this, there's some science behind this. All of us have this thing in our brain that uh, neuroscientists have discovered called the reticular activating system. Very fancy words. Mm-hmm. just means it's like a camera in our brain. And they've proven that when we obsess or when we dwell on a thought, our brain goes, oh, that's what we're focused on? And it finds what we are looking for, and it takes pictures of it, and it basically substantiates the thought. Mm-hmm. So give me an example. Last time you bought a car, Jordan, or anybody listening today, do you remember seeing that car everywhere for about five or six days? Mm-hmm. And you're commenting like, oh, there's our car. There's our car. It's like, did, did the great car god drop that car down in excess? No. You were focused intently on it, so you see it. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it before. Now you see it everywhere. They did a great psychology study on this where they put 20 people in a room and they told them to watch a basketball drill with this team. And they said, we want you to record one thing and only one thing. How many times the ball has passed in this 10-minute drill? And so in the middle of the drill, they had a guy come out in a gorilla costume and stand in the middle of the court while the guys ran back and forth in front of him. And at the end, they asked, how many times the ball has passed? Everybody had an answer. And they asked, who saw the gorilla? And only three out of 20 people saw the gorilla. Hmm. And that's the power of focus. Mm. So when I say that you choose to stay stuck, that's what I'm talking about. You choose to not confront the voice of fear and doubt and pride and see if it's true. You choose not to choose another path. You choose to stay back and sit on the bleachers of life. You choose to believe what somebody said to you. You choose to believe what somebody did to you. 
that's what I'm talking about. And there is another choice. Hmm. The choice good. is okay. to discover who you are and what you were put on this planet to do, which, by the way, is multiple things. Mm-hmm. And then go do that. Mm-hmm. Be unique. Because in your uniqueness lies your greatness. That's so good. So good. And I love the even the science behind it and the actual like real reason why we sometimes like when we get so fixated on the thing that could go wrong or the thing that we're worried about or the the lie that we're believing even like I don't know if you've ever heard this but I had a therapist once tell me that you have to be careful how much you think certain thoughts because it takes 200 thoughts to become a belief and when it becomes a belief it like solidifies inside of you and I think it just reminded me when you were saying that it reminded me of that because I think you're right like when we get so focused on a certain thought or th- thought pattern or belief or, or, or not even belief, just like a lie or something that's fear, fear, like driving fear, it can solidify as a belief and, and it can become something that like we fixate on and we miss the other things, you know? So anyways, I just oh, find yeah. that really interesting. I find it really interesting. But actually, I, I want to ask a follow-up question because this came up as you were talking and I'd be curious what you say what you'd say to this. So I think sometimes some people and sometimes all of us, we can get stuck, especially in a career or a path that we're on because we don't know what we actually want to do or what we actually Mm -hmm. enjoy. And I think sometimes that's like a core problem is like, we know we're not happy where we're at, but we also don't really know where we want to go, if that makes sense. And so I'd be curious, what tips do you have for getting clear on what work you should be doing and what path is right for you? What questions can we ask ourselves to help clarify our goals and the direction we're going? Yeah, it's a great question. And you're absolutely right. We don't know how to do true discovery. Mm -hmm. And so we spend our time looking outward. Mm -hmm. And the answer is to look inward. There's three questions that I teach. And it's the core of my methodology. It's the first stage of the seven stages that we unpack in the book. And here they are. What do I do best? What work do I love to do? What results matter deeply to me? Mm. All right, so we'll break those down. What do I do best? This is talent. What work do I love to do? That's passion. And what results do I want my work to create? That's mission. Now, there's Mm -hmm. tremendous freedom coming. So watch how this works. All three of those things. We discover the answer to those those by looking inward. Okay? And and what I mean by inward is instead of your eyes out, I want you looking back at yourself. Imagine looking at yourself in the mirror and we go, okay, who's the true you? Mm -hmm. So we start with talent. Every human being on the planet was born with talent. Now, we take that talent, think of it as raw clay. And if you've ever had the uh, beautiful privilege of watching a potter do their thing, where they take that lump of clay and then they put it on the wheel and then they apply water and pressure of the hands along with the inertia of the spinning wheel. And then they shape that ball of clay into something usable. That's talent. Mm -hmm. All of us have talent. We're just naturally good at these things. Hard skills and people skills. Mm-hmm. You could also throw character traits in there. So think of that as that that's your lump of clay. And with focused intensity, you can turn those talents into sharpened skills, extremely valuable instruments. We all get that. All mm-hmm. right. So that think of the talent now as the functional tool, okay, mm-hmm. which will allow me to do work at a high level. We all get that. That's passion. Mm-hmm. Now the reason I chose the word passion, because this is a romantic connotation. And it's been kind of, you know, in some ways degraded. And, and the reason I chose the word passion to describe work you love is because I did some research and the root word of, uh, in the Latin of passion is pati, P-A-T-I. And Jordan, you'll love this. It means to suffer. 
And so I think some of you are going, huh? Stay with me on this. All right. So the context by which it was used in the Latin word petty was to quench a thirst, a thirst that must be quenched. You start talking about passion and work you love. It's something that you must do. You know, you think of the designers out there, whether they're designing a dress or a shoe or a website or a home, right? That is that creative urge. They must quench that thirst, right? Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, working with your hands, working with your head, working with people, work you love. So we describe the work we love as passion because we are willing to suffer to be able to do it. What I mean by that mm-hmm. is suffer rejection, suffer failure. You look at the great master craftsmen who make furniture with their hands and you see those gnarled up knuckles mm-hmm. and you see a pile of scraps over in the corner. Uh, they deeply love the mm-hmm. work of crafting something. Okay. Now the final piece is mission results that matter deeply to you. So all work creates results. Mm-hmm. So if it, it is possible for you to love the work, but not be jazzed about the results. I had a guy call the Ken Coleman show last week. He said, Ken, I need help. I feel some sense of guilt. I got a great sales job. I make great money, but I'm selling medical devices. And while I love selling, I love the work of selling and everything that's involved with that. I just can't get excited about the product. What should I do? Mm-hmm. And I said, number one, don't feel guilty. But number two, get excited about selling something and go sell that. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is a product or service that you connect deeply to? So those are the results. So we all long to contribute to others. Mm-hmm. And so work is not a four-letter word. Work is something that we were created to do, created to contribute to others. So here's how it all comes together. Talent, passion, mission. I use what I do best, talent, to do work I love, passion to produce results that matter to me, mission. Mm -hmm. When those are in alignment, it's like they're an arrow, Jordan, pointing to the world at work. And here's what's so exciting about answering that question you asked. When you understand those three indicators and you see them align, there are more than one job, more than one career path, even more Mm -hmm. than one dream job Mm -hmm. that you can do because it all comes back to, am I using what I do best? Mm -hmm. To do work I love to produce a result that, that results that matter to me. And so here's what happened. It evolves with us. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people get freaked out when you use the word purpose and dream job because it mm-hmm. feels like... Like one singular ah! thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like how do I pick it? And what if it's the mm-hmm. wrong one? You know, mm-hmm. it, and it's kind of like marriage and, 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 you know, choosing to love someone for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's all this unnecessary pressure. So that is... Those are the questions you must answer because when you see those answers in front of you, you can look at the world and go, where are all the places that I can do what I'm good at, mm-hmm. do what I love and produce a result that connects to my value? Yeah. You know, I, I love what you shared about passion specifically because I think there's a lot of confusion around like, does it just mean stuff that I like? Does it mean, you know, like, what if I like a lot of things? You know, I think that's a big question I get, at least especially from a female community. Um, and I talk a lot about being like multi-talented, multi-passionate, multi-interested. That's very common, especially for women. And mm-hmm. I think that pressure to like pick this one singular thing that's going to be like your job for the rest of your life is so unnecessary. Because if I've learned anything in my process, it's that putting those key components together, like what you talked about with talent and empathy or talent and um, passion and mission, you know, I use different words, but kind of to mean the same thing, it's like where those three things converge, like where if you almost picture them as like a Venn diagram, where those things come together, it's like a zone. It's an area where many different things like and types of work and whatnot can be there. As long as you're operating at the place that all those things collide, 
and you're utilizing, you know, those things, it's like, it kind of takes the pressure off of like, there. it's not a, it's not a point. It's a zone. There's a space of like various different combinations that would be very fulfilling for you, you know? And, um, even oh, what yeah. you were sharing well, about you, for example, you, you could do so many different things mm-hmm. that you, and, 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 and honestly, I, I listen folks, if you pay attention to George's Instagram, I can't keep up with her. She's got a new <laughs> business, a new product all the time, but I would, but I also know you at least well enough to know that all of those are in your sweet spot, mm-hmm. that zone you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't doing what I was doing right now, uh, you know, publicly communicating, writing, all those mm-hmm. things, I'd probably be coaching a basketball team mm-hmm. somewhere, you mm-hmm. know? I, I mean, and so I just, you're absolutely right. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, it should open you up to where you are so free mm-hmm. to just be you yeah, and, and, and be that unique combination because those three things are different for all of us mm-hmm. and they manifest themselves in a way that here's, what's really cool about this. You find that there is a unique contribution that you're supposed to make. Mm-hmm. I didn't say one unique job. I'm talking about that unique role where it's like, you know, I could pick one word if I really wanted to mm-hmm. and just go, as long as I'm filling this role, it doesn't matter where I'm doing it or how I'm doing it, as long as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. And I, I think one of the thing I wanted to share about, and I'd be curious what your thoughts are on this, but in a program that I teach, I teach about the difference between passions and interests, because I think this can be mm. something that can be helpful to differentiate and the way I described it. And when you shared the, the Latin, did you say it was a root word or the actual direct translation? Yeah, it's, it's the, the, the word passion comes from the root word. Okay. Okay. A-T-I in Latin. Okay, cool. So it reminded me of this because the way I kind of differentiate, differentiate these things for my students is that a passion is something that you feel deeply connected to. Sometimes that's due to like a personal experience or an exposure that you had. And I'll explain an example in a minute, but an interest is something that you enjoy or like doing, but maybe it's not necessarily rooted in something deeper. So like to differentiate with an example, an interest might be something like I like garden it's enjoyable for me. It's a leisurely project. It like brings me enjoyment, but it might be a passion for someone who, for example, after battling health issues, they find it really important to try to eat as organic and local as possible. So they garden to actually like nourish themselves and feel like the peace of mind knowing where their food is coming from. Or another example might be like, and an interest is I enjoy baking. It's fun for me. I like to do it around the holidays. It's something I like to do in my free time. But a passion might be I grew, or like something that makes someone passionate about it, I guess is a better way to say, might be like someone who grew up baking with their grandma and after she passed, it really helps them carry their memory, memory on. Like, I guess my point is like there's sometimes an experience or something meaningful in your life that's personal to you that takes an interest from like, oh, that's fun for me sometimes and like takes it to the next level of like a passion of like, I feel so connected to this work or to this activity that it's like in my soul, you know? And when you expressed it in the way you did, it also kind of reminded me of this that I like to teach because it kind of helps us differentiate between something that just is fun for us versus something that we feel deeply connected to and like want to get our hands dirty and are willing to suffer for. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You nailed it. I think if I was going to super simplify how you can measure this, it Mm -hmm. would be emotion and devotion. So it's passion if you have high emotion and high devotion. Mm -hmm. So the emotion is pretty straightforward. You think about this work. When you're in and you get your, your heart, your heart just goes nuts. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm thinking about it. I'm only doing it mm-hmm. and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm in the middle of it, uh, time stands still and I am so in a zone that uh, time disappears. We've all experienced that on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the devotion piece, high devotion, that's where that suffering comes in, where mm-hmm. you are devoted to it to the point that you will suffer patience because patience is suffering. And we all just agree on that. It's so hard to wait. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and persisting while waiting for the result that we long for, it's so difficult. That's suffering. Um, you're willing to, to deal with rejection. You're willing to deal with failure. That's what we're talking about. You, you, you know, we're talking about the emotional suffering here. And so that's why it's such a beautiful definition is that we are willing to go the extra mile and you nailed it. You know, something I'm interested in 
you know, like I'm interested in my favorite football team, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to every game. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm not showing up at practice. I'm, I'm devoted to my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about my three teenagers. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm not passionate about my football team. Right. I'm just yep. not. That's the difference. If you're willing to suffer and the suffering is just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good. That's such a powerful differentiation. And I know that the first time I kind of started sifting through this, I was like, oh, wow, this like uncomplicates it so much because when we yeah. hear like the encouragement to just like do what you like and do what you love, it's like, what does that even mean? You know, I love a lot of things and I love my football team and I love this and I love that. And so kind of breaking those things down in a really simplified way, which I think you've done magnificently well, it really helps our brain start to narrow down and get clearer on what is the path and maybe what can be, what can remain a hobby? What can remain something I enjoy doing in my free time? Because the other thing I think that's really important is like, it is good to just have things that you enjoy doing that don't pay your bills because that's the point of hobbies. You know, it's like, those are healthy to have as well. So don't try to monetize everything because you think you're passionate about it. Like really go through that exercise and go through those and ask those questions to get clear on what are the passions that should be part of my paycheck? And what are the things that maybe are just for my leisure time, you know, that I enjoy. So I, I think that's also helpful just for that specific oh, question as well. You know what? I don't, I don't want to skip over that. That's really good advice. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why. When, because as you know, I'm all about helping people see that work is not something we do to live, but mm-hmm. we live to work. Mm-hmm. Not, not as a workaholic. Mm-hmm. But if I were to change that from we were created to work to created to contribute, everybody go, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And see, we all long to make a contribution. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to teach a baby to, uh, or a toddler rather, to say no. You just don't. Mm-hmm. They just, at some point, those little, those little beautiful creatures turn mm-hmm. from angels into these little uh, creatures of nuisance when they just go, no, and mm-hmm. they steal a toy from another two-year-old. You don't have to teach anybody to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also don't have to teach anybody to wonder, mm-hmm. what should I do in my life? Mm-hmm. Where is that coming from? And it comes from our soul. Mm-hmm. And I think the advice you're giving is really good that to replenish yourself when you are working on purpose mm-hmm. and you have great passion in your work, like Jordan and I are blessed to do or have rather, um, I find that my extracurricular or my hobby level things that I enjoy, uh, they kind of refuel me mm-hmm. to step back into the work of passion and purpose. So yeah. I think it's a very important point. Yeah, absolutely. Because even when you're working in alignment with your passion and purpose, and that's and like you're doing that kind of work, that doesn't mean it's still work and it can still be difficult and it can still be oh, tiresome. Gosh. And I think we have this, I think it's common when, when someone especially is in like a career that it really is unfulfilling for them or it's super draining. Sometimes I think that the, the doing work you love concept can almost become so glamorized that like if it becomes difficult at any point, it's like it feels like such a disappointment. So I think it's also healthy to be real about the fact that like even when you love it and it's like so connected to your soul, you're still going to run into roadblocks. You're still going to sometimes be drained by it. Like it doesn't mean that it's like this beautiful little fairy tale all of a sudden, I love you know? What you're saying so that. yeah, well, first I think of all, you're preaching amen and amen and amen. <laughs> Here's why. Have you ever heard that stupid phrase? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. The biggest bunch of crap you've ever heard. Maybe, well, I don't know who came up with it, but it is so garbage, and you just nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I work harder than somebody who mm-hmm. doesn't love their work. Totally, because um, you're so invested again, in it. Where, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. where the suffering, the passion comes in. It's yeah. like I have hard days. Mm-hmm. The differences between me or anybody that's blessed to do work they love that that's meaningful to them that they were created to do is when you have a hard day, it doesn't derail you. Right. 
Um, and actually, you take on hard days like a wood chipper takes on a log. Mm-hmm. Like, just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, versus yeah. somebody who has no meaning in their work, you get enough really hard days and they start questioning some really scary stuff. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, my work doesn't matter to me. Do I matter? Mm-hmm. Now you get into some really scary territory. Totally. So I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I just, I think it's important to keep that like a realistic mindset of like, it, it won't always be like sunshine and rainbows, but it will be something you can endure on. And it's something that you you want to do and you crave to do. But it is important kind of going back to what you're saying, just having those outlets, even from the work you love. Because if, you, you know, when you turn in everything you love into work, or it feels like everything you love is work, you got to find something you love that is truly a release. You know, that's something my husband has taught me because he's like the king of hobbies. And I'm like, I have one hobby and like do it once a year. So, you know, I've, I've had to learn that like, okay, like I need to do things that are working with my hands or reading or things that are like filling my, my cup back up when I'm, even though I love pouring out through what I do, I'm pouring out a lot. Right. And I have to acknowledge that. So I, I do think that's really important to touch on. I'm glad we did. Um, one other thing I want to ask you about is what are, or I guess the better way to ask it is, if someone is feeling guilty for leaving their current position or worried about finding their, you know, about their current workplace, like finding a replacement, what advice would you give them? Like if they know they're miserable or they've gone through these exercises and start thinking about what would be a better fit and know it's time for a change, but feeling that just like, I don't want to leave them high and dry. Like I really care about these people. I just hate what I'm doing. Like I would love to hear your thoughts and what advice you'd have for them if they know it's time to make some moves. Yeah. Good question. We get this a lot. So here's the deal. First of all, you're a good person. You're a really good person for feeling guilty over Mm -hmm. that just means you're a good person. But uh, the reality is, is that the word guilt is a very strong word. We use it in legal context, obviously, to describe someone who has broken the law. Mm-hmm. And you are not breaking any laws. You're mm-hmm. not doing anything that's even unethical. Mm-hmm. What you are doing is making a purposeful decision to live your best life. This is not something that you should be ashamed of or feel badly about. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that once you get a hold of that concept, you also have to realize that they're going to be okay. Because you are a good person, you're also going, well, I know I do a lot and I know that we're short staffed because of Corona or whatever, and it's going to put them in a bind. All that may be true, but you are not irreplaceable. No matter how valuable you are, and you are tremendously valuable, you are not irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. So let go of the superhero complex, which Mm -hmm. is a crutch, Mm -hmm. because you're trying to give yourself an excuse to step into the unknown. Mm -hmm. I really think what's going on is that we're scared of moving on, or we're scared of what people are going to think about us and say about us Mm -hmm. when we leave them. Mm -hmm. And so then we concoct all these hero Mm -hmm. scenarios that, oh gosh, I feel awful because I'm so valuable, when in all reality, they're going to survive without you. And mm-hmm. if they don't, it was a bad business model anyway. Mm-hmm. None of these are your problem. Mm-hmm. And you can be simultaneously grateful for the opportunity they gave you and the people that you worked with. You can be simultaneously sad about leaving and also know that you're supposed to leave and leave and do the right thing. So mm-hmm. you've got to change what you're focused on. If you're feeling guilty because you're focused on the wrong information Mm -hmm. and you need to focus on the right information, the right information is, you know, you're supposed to move. It's the right thing for you. They're going to survive without you. It's not your problem. 
leave mm-hmm. well, leave with class, mm-hmm. leave with gratitude, but leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Wow, that is like the kick in the butt we all needed today. Woo, that's good. I mean, I think you're right. I think our fears or our excuses or whatever do like do and can create this like superhero complex. Like no one else can do it like I do. And I, I don't remember what show we were watching the other day, my husband and I, but we both chuckled because it talked about like, really, you don't think your workplace doesn't look like, doesn't think that you're replaceable. Like they might really care about you. They may really love you. But at any point, like you're right, you are replaceable to that organization. Not that's not a question of your worth or your value or anything. But it's like, it's kind of it was kind of like a reality check. And it was some one character talking to another on a show. And I remember we both just chuckled. It was like, the second you leave, they're going to have your seat replaced and, you know, move on and keep focusing on their mission and their purpose. And that's what they're focused on. So why is it wrong for you to be focused on yours? It's not. So that's really good. Wow, that was really powerful. Okay, let me, one. Let me drop. One, let me yeah, drop go one for it. Go for quick. it. I know you got another question. This is real quick because I get this as well. I want to speak to people who they feel like they know the path they're supposed to go on, and they know for sure. And family members are casting some doubt on it, and it's like, oh no, uh, I may disappoint my parents or whatever. Let me let me just throw this out there because it's related to the the answer we just gave. So. You better choose to disappoint people versus resent people. Mm-hmm. And there are just some people that are not going to understand your decisions. Wait, say they that again. Well it's better you. to disappoint people disappoint than resent people. people. Yes. Heck and let yes. me, yeah, I know, right? Keep going. Go. You're good. This is, this is just really if good. I'm you don't it make the decision. Yeah. So listen, if you don't make the decision to leave when you know you're supposed to leave because you're worried about some people, whether that be parents, friends, coworkers you are choosing not to disappoint them. Mm. And in the long run, you will resent those people Mm -hmm. because you will blame them. And I would rather disappoint someone than resent them. Here's why. Disappointment is with them. They're carrying the disappointment. I'm sleeping well at night because I know I'm supposed to move on. Mm -hmm. I know I'm doing what I was supposed to do. I I can't worry about them being disappointed in my decision. Mm -hmm. But if I resent them, that's with me. Mm -hmm. I carry that. Mm -hmm. It sounds really selfish, but it's not. It's healthy selfish. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there because I think that's a problem for a lot of people. We're so, we won't make the decision we know is right and on purpose because we're worried about disappointing other people. I'm like, those are the people you're going to resent, yeah. which is way worse than disappointing them. Yeah, totally. Totally. So that's, sorry, I had, to, I had to drop that in there. No, I'm, I'm, glad you did. I'm glad you did because I think there's, I, I often talk about like, you know, the pressure to explain yourself to everyone who has an opinion about something you might do or like keep doing something just because someone else wants you to, even if it doesn't really have much of an effect on them. Like it's one thing. And I, and I like to differentiate this too. Like it's one thing if it's like your spouse and they are directly affected by your decision. So you do need to talk things through with them. But then there's a lot of like extra players that like to voice their opinion or kind of give you the, the, passive aggressive comments on their thoughts or whatever it might be. And it's like, you really do have to differentiate. Is this person in my inner circle and directly touched by this? And if so, how can I respect and acknowledge and honor their feelings in something while also making the right decision for, for me and and for my future, you know? And I think we get confused on like whose opinion actually matters in this case. We get all tied up in a lot of people's opinions who don't necessarily have any direct tie to what we're doing, but we're afraid that our old Facebook friend is going to judge us or our mom's, you know, best friend or somebody that's just kind of there. And so you have to kind of decide like who, who is in my inner circle that I want to lean into those voices to seek input or mentorship or advice or whatever from take that into account when, and then make my own decision, even if some of them don't like it or are disappointed by it versus who am I listening to that 
may not actually have any like vested interest in this. And I'm just all worried about what they're going to think, you know, whether that's like the coworker down the hall who really isn't that affected by what I might choose or somebody else. So I also think that's an important question to ask yourself of like, who am I worried yeah. about disappointing, you know, because and is that oh. even healthy? So anyways, I love what you shared. Last question I have for you, and then I will let you go, even though I think we could dive into this so much more. I would love if you can speak into the person who may not necessarily want to make a full-on career change, like maybe they're okay with where they're at, but they're just feeling burnt out in their current work. What advice would you give to them to kind of breathe that life back into the work they do enjoy doing or that they do feel fulfilled by, but they're just burned out in kind of what we were talking about earlier? Yeah, this is really good. Good question. Um, Well, burnout, first of all, is not the source. It's a symptom. Mm. So if I go to the doctor and I say, hey, doc, I got a sore knee fix my sore knee, he's going to chuckle and go, well, we got to figure out why it's sore. Mm -hmm. And so the same is true with burnout. I think there's five basic causes of burnout. Um, And and real quickly, that would be you you have no passion for it. You never really did. It's just kind of a J-O-B. And so over time, you realize, oh, there's just no juice. I I don't love this work. It's okay. Uh, There's no passion. The second one is you're, you're in a toxic environment. You can be absolutely on fire. As we talked earlier in the conversation, you're in your sweet spot. You're doing exactly what you want to do. But if you're around toxic people all the time and a toxic leader, uh, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to come in. And that can confuse us and make us feel like, oh, I've lost my passion. When in all reality, you're doing the right thing Hmm. in the wrong place. The third factor is being overwhelmed. You just, I mean, we saw this through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you uh, you feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant, mm-hmm. right? Just you're drowning from the moment you get in. Another, uh, the fourth reason is that you're underappreciated. You know, you don't get recognized. You don't have a leader who who sees you and hears you and values you and recognizes you. We, we know from uh, HR data that most people would rather receive public recognition than a raise. I mean, this mm-hmm. speaks to who we are as mm-hmm. as human beings. And then finally, you're bored. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 there is no challenge in the work. So that's a quick run through of what I believe you could take all causes of burnout and kind of put it in those buckets. But, but regardless of, of whether or not you resonate with one of those five factors, when you're burned out, you must figure out what is causing the burnout. And, 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 and we've got to address that. Mm-hmm. So if we need to create some boundaries, right, to where mm-hmm. we're going to stop working at night and, and, and we're going to stop answering emails on the weekend or you know, we're going we're gonna to look for some new challenges and, and we're going to push ourselves a little bit. So you've got to go, what's causing me to no longer feel that juice, that heart? You know, if I put my hands on my heart right now, Jordan, and I'm quiet, I can feel my heart beating. Mm-hmm. But if I put on about five or six heavy coats, I could take my hands and try to press up against my heart, but I wouldn't be able to feel the heartbeat. And, mm-hmm. and that's a kind of a quick illustration to say, Stuff piles up on top of our heart, mm-hmm. circumstances, people, um, and they and they pile up and they're negative. And, and so then we can't feel. And so, you know, I talk to school teachers a lot. The number one group that are quitting this year, it's unbelievably mm-hmm. unfortunate, but they're just burned out. And every time I'll talk to one of them on the air, Jordan, I'll get to the bottom of it. And almost every one of them still loves teaching and instructing, but it's mm-hmm. all the other crap. They mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. discipline issues, paperwork. Focus on test scores, mm-hmm. not the actual instructing of a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are examples. That's a real life example of somebody who it feels as though they've lost the heart, their passion for teaching, 
when in all reality, they're just burned out. And so what we've got to do is we got to, just like a doctor, where we got to get to the source of the burnout, and then we've got to clean it up. we got to figure it out and remove that cause mm-hmm. of the effect. So we focus on the cause, the effect will take care of itself, and the heart is feeding strongly underneath all that garbage. Hmm. It's so true. That's a really good illustration because there's so many times where I think we think we lost our heart for it. And then you just start removing the layers of like, oh, this has been getting in the way. And this is the issue. And it's sometimes I'd be curious what advice you give teachers in that situation. Like, I think that's a really good example. Do you often recommend like, okay, maybe you still teach, but maybe you teach in a different way. Like maybe you teach, you know, a yoga class or maybe you teach online courses or something. I'd be curious, like that's the kind of advice I would give, but like, I don't know if I'm right in that. So I'd be curious what advice you would give. I I think you're really the co-host of Ken Coleman's show at any time. Because that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we go, wait a second. Do you love instructing? Like at the end of the day, being a teacher is about, let, let's just break it down. Do you have a talent for it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to what we talked about and get clear. And they're going to go, of course. Yeah, I'm a great communicator, a good connector. Great. Okay. Do you love instructing? Seeing a kid's light bulb or an adult's light bulb go on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. Well, then we know you're passionate about the work. What are the results that just move your soul? Mm-hmm. I don't I love I love seeing influence take place. You know, mm-hmm. I love serving. Whatever their answer is. Mm-hmm. Well, can you do that as a teacher? And the answer is yes. And so we want to reestablish their heart. So all I'm doing there is I'm walking them back through. Mm-hmm. I'm removing for just a moment all of the crap they have to deal with. And we just go, do you still love connecting, communicating, to see someone learn and transform? Mm-hmm. And you hear it. They'll go, yeah. I go, okay. Got a couple options. And you, you started to answer the question. So either we're going to change from a public school environment to a private school environment or charter school or whatever it is. Or I'm going to go to the community college or the, the uh, uh, university and college level where the students want to be there. And there's a lot of freedom for the teachers or the professors. Or maybe I want to go into HR and I do mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. Uh, or I go into corporate training or whatever. To your mm-hmm. point, you know, mm-hmm. you, you start teaching Taekwondo for, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, all of that is an example of what we talked about earlier. Is it in your sweet spot? Mm-hmm. And you go back and you go, because here's the deal. A lot of people get paralyzed by the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so the clarity process that I teach gives us confidence and courage. So we go back, we start to doubt. Okay, let's go back. Do I have a talent for it? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Do I love this work? I look at it, this potential option, and I go, am I spending 75% of my day doing stuff that I love? Mm-hmm. That's a good rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay? And then same thing. Do I spend 75% of my day delivering results that I actually care about? Mm-hmm. And then guess what? When we get clarity, it's like playing freeze tag when we were a kid. The, the person's running after us. We're like, oh, we get to home base and we breathe. We retreat back to clarity. We, we get some clarity. We get some perspective. We breathe. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was afraid. I, I was doubtful. Okay, mm-hmm. I know I have what it takes. Mm-hmm. And so watch what happens. Clarity breeds confidence and confidence breeds courage. Mm-hmm. But absent of clarity, you will not have the confidence to step out and you will not have the courage to stay on the path. Mm-hmm. So, so clarity is the superpower. Yep. So always yep. retreat yep. back to clarity. Simplify. When it gets confusing, retreat. It's okay to retreat. Mm-hmm. Retreat. Figure it out. Get clear. Okay. Yeah. Dust myself off. I learned something. Now I go and I attack. Yeah. I always say clarity is our greatest currency. 
Because we often focus so much on like the money that we make in a job or in in anything. We focus on currency of like money or time. But it's like, here's the thing. If you're not even clear on where you're headed and what, why you're doing what you're doing or what your next step is, when you lack the clarity, you're not able to use or make or earn or spend the money well. And you're not able to steward the time well either or any of these other things. And, And without clarity, like you said, you lack confidence to even make the right moves and move in a productive way. And so I just think we think so much of like how we're spending our time or our money, but it's like, if we don't even have clarity, those things aren't going to get spent well anyway. So anyways, I love what you shared. I think that's such a good example. And I, and I often run into this a lot too. I'll have women reach out and say like, I'm a nurse and I'm just burnt out. And, you know, I love caretaking and I love like helping people get better, but I just hate the environment or I just hate, you know, X, Y, Z about it. It's all those layers that you talked about, similar with the teacher. And a lot of times I'm like, well, maybe it's not like neglecting the nursing path altogether, but maybe it's no longer doing the nursing that you're doing or working within the organization you're working. Maybe it's shifting to a nursing home, or maybe it's shifting to creating an organization that supports nurses who are burned out. Like there's so many ways that you can still be Like you don't have to neglect the entire background from what you come from. It's maybe just an adjustment of how you're going about that work. And I think that's really what you're getting at. And it really, especially if you do those exercises and you get the clarity of like, oh yeah, like my heart really is still in this. This is this is still where I want to go. So, anyways, I just love that. I feel like I'm I I could talk to you for hours. I feel like because I just think so much of what you share is so in alignment with the things that I love speaking into so many of my community, so many of the women in my community, because so many of us are experiencing that, you know, 20s, 30s, quarter life crisis moment of like, "Ah, what am I doing? So I just think you break it down so well. It's so clear and simple. And you guys, I want you to hear about Ken's book too. Ken, can you share about your most recent book that just recently came out? Because I think everyone needs it. Yeah. So we talked about Get Clear, which is the first of the seven stages that we unpack in the book. It's called From Paycheck to Purpose. And what we're talking about in the title is we want you to work for more than just a paycheck. I want you to have a fat paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that we all long for contribution. And so in that title, you see paycheck is provision and purpose is contribution. I just simply believe that you were created to work, that there is some unique work that you were supposed to do that will not only provide for you and your family, but will also Uh, give you tremendous meaning because you are making a difference in the lives of others. So it's a big, scary thing. And so I wrote a book based on my own journey and talking to nearly 5,000 phone calls on on the air live. And the seven stages are very simple and they're in the book. Get clear, which we unpack, get qualified, get connected, get started, get promoted, get the dream job. And the dream job is defined by doing what you're good at, doing what you love and producing results that matter deeply to you. And then when you get into stage six, that dream job, what's next? And we unpack it in the book, and it's to give yourself away. And I would say that you and I are both in stage six and seven. You usually are consecutively because you're in the dream job, but you're, no, you're by no means done. We're not hanging out in the hammock drinking sun tea. Right. If you follow right. Jordan on Instagram, good grief, she's, she's, she, she's so busy, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and what are you doing? You're now expanding the dream. Yep. You're expanding the vision. I've seen your vision expand a bunch in the last 18 to 24 mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. And you are now working not for income. Mm-hmm. The income is there and the income is nice, but you're working for impact. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you embody this. And so those are the seven stages. Get clear, get qualified, get connected, get started, get promoted, get the dream job, give yourself away. And what I wrote in the book is very actionable things to do within each stage so that you can see your professional pinnacle and then go climb it. Because I think it's a scary thing for a lot of people. And it's actually not scary at all. It's hard, mm. but not scary. And so 
that's the new book from Paycheck to Purpose. We also have a, a Get Clear Career Assessment, Jordan, that will, in 20 minutes, I walk people through questions that will allow them to get the report on what they do best, their talent, what work they love to do, their passion, and the results that motivate them the most. Mission, and that's something they can get with the book as well. But it's mm-hmm. um, it's a fun labor of love, and I know that you and I are um, absolutely on the same wavelength. And I, I do want to say, while well, I've got you, mm-hmm. To your audience, because I know they love you and I know they appreciate you, but I do, I've always admired what you do and how you do it. But I also know because Stacy and I have a story that is somewhat similar. And I've told you this over private text, but I've never told you this publicly, but the pain that you have lived through in front of your audience and taken that pain and turned it into passion. It's preparing you for some amazing days. Hmm. And uh, I, I just want you to hear that publicly because I know your audience loves you because of how vulnerable you are. And hmm. that pain, while I wish you hadn't gone through it, um, is preparing you for something hmm. uh, beautiful. And I can't wait to see what it is. Oh, Ken, this is why I love you. You're the best, truly. I mean, not only what you do, but just you are so encouraging in so many ways. And that really does mean the world because sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you're like, so where is this going? And why did I share this? Yeah. And, you know, but I mean, I, I truly believe that. I think we are given our stories, sometimes the chapters we don't want for a reason yeah. so much bigger than ourselves. You know, it's it's interesting. I even think about, I have my second book coming out later this year. And um, it's focused on those seasons of almost like I almost got to this milestone in my life. I almost had a family. I almost Mm. landed the dream job. And then Mm. something came out of left field and threw it off or sent me back to the starting line or whatever. And it's kind of like you find yourself kind of stuck in the middle. Like I thought I was going to be at the mountaintop, but I'm still in the middle, you know? And it's so interesting to me that I was given, I don't even know if the privilege is the right word because it doesn't feel like the right word, but it's like I was given that story to walk through in the middle of a time when everyone had their plans disrupted and things sent backwards and the pain and the grief that comes with that. And then I just so happened to like write a book about it, you know? So um, anyway, long story short, it's just, I can start to see the glimpses of like what that pain can start to turn into, even though it's still very early on. And so that's just so encouraging to hear. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for saying that. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. No, I appreciate you. I can't wait to have you on and talk about my book. So, yeah, uh, I'm I mean, excited. Your book, <laughs> I, I, you're, it's going to be great. It's going to help a lot of people. And uh, it's been fun to, to, to watch your journey and cheering for you. So, yeah, well, thank you. You as well. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. 
Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.